It is time to tune up the band and hit switching music for it is another picture-perfect sweet chin wag podcast. I am Sam, joined as ever by Reardon and Dan as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. Hello there, gentlemen. It's been nearly 50 episodes, but I finally got to say it. I did the thing. We got there eventually. <laughs> You did the thing, and I could hear you strain for every word not to mess it up. Amazing. <laughs> I did it with a massive smile on my face as well, just making sure I was i was very conscious that I was making sure I said that correctly. <laughs> How are we doing this week? Ugh, pretty damn great. That, I, 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 I detect a hint of sarcasm there, but... Uh... No, like, genuinely pretty damn great. I mean, of course, there's, there's, there's never-ending amounts of stuff that piss me off, but... Oh, like, granted, inside and outside of wrestling, I, I get you on that one in, in, entirely, Dan, but... Uh... I was going to say something, and I was like, I kind of at someone, so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how have you been, Reardon? I've been all right, mate. I've been busy... I've been so busy. Yeah. I've been so busy, you guys. <laughs> oh man! All right, then. So I don't envy you right now. Oh no! Yeah, that, I I agree on that one. If I, know, any, I know, I know. As everyone, as I, everyone knows, the tireless worker of the Sweet Chinwag podcast is, of course, Reardon. It never ends. It never ends. <laughs> Alrighty, as ever, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and always, forever pending, your usual and other platforms. <laughs> there are like so many now, it's crazy. I know. More. I, I feel like more. I feel like with every kind of that when there's a podcast feed that goes up, there's about fifteen others that have to compete with that one going up. <laughs> It's like what I was going to say because uh, just a little throwback and a little uh, a little uh, nudge nudge wink wink reference to stuff we do. Reardon, it just reminds me of the Agent Smith quote of like, "I hate this place, this zoo. <laughs> it's the smell." Anyway, uh, <laughs> before I go right off tangent, you smell, you smell. Uh, before oh, we no. get on this week's episode, which is all about, of course, the heartbreak <laughs> kid Shawn Michaels, it is time to mosey on over and visit Dan at the barbershop window for this week's wrestling news. It's just the wrestling news. Wrestling news. I don't know how to do any other rhymes for that, but there you go. Dan, do the thing. Nah, that's... I mean, to be fair, you did exactly what I was going to do, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Unplanned unplanned for those listening in. Unplanned. I just did it (laughs) off the cuff. No, like that's that's I totally expect. I say it's, it's exactly what I expected, but I'm not mad at it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll get straight into it. We'll go straight into the week review. We're starting off with Raw. Uh, started off with a good old big multi tag match. Uh, again, like to be honest with Raw, there isn't really a whole lot to talk about. Uh. We had the Humberto Carrillo and Sheamus match, uh, which has now set out. Well, well, now we know Humberto has been injured as a result of that match. Possibly uh. also Sheamus, but we haven't heard any reports on him yet. <laughs> uh, 
nasty impact. <laughs> it, oh no! It, uh, yeah, I watched the highlights. Oh, 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 that did not look good. Uh, we then had kind of a rerun of uh, Lashley versus Drew, and then a uh, another, you know, vignette promo segment uh, about Eva Marie's return. Is it still the evolution? Yes. <laughs> Look, I'll bet it's this way, and a lot of a lot of people have said, um, I think she'd make a great heel manager. Well, that's what yeah. I that's what I assume it is, but I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, and I'm just being you know smooth braining right now. <laughs> uh, um, oh, it's yeah, really stuff. the really the only thing with Raw right now is um. Uh, it had a match between Jinder Mahal um, and Jeff Hardy. Yes. Uh, which confused me because I thought I'd already seen that match happen, and I had. I'd seen a card for it uh, on main event. Yeah, that no, I, I thought so as well. I was like, hang on, hold up. Haven't we had this match this week already? Or it was like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> What it felt, it felt like it was the exact same match at parts, and that was the thing. People were saying that they felt like the match was a rerun of the main event match. That obviously that's predicated on you having watched main event, <laughs> which is like far less than. I mean, it's only about six hundred thousand people weekly. Damn. But, um, like I was there, and I was like, wait, didn't they have? I'm sure they had a match this week. I looked back and I was like, oh yeah, they were on main event together. And it's like, is main event this like testing ground now? <laughs> which is which is even which is even crazier because the thing that kept coming out of main event was people sharing gifts of um, Ali versus Ricochet. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, isn't main event the place where they put Ali and Ricochet? God damn it! <laughs> like everyone was talking about like moments from from that from mm. those matches. I'm like, so so n- no space on Raw then. Uh, we've done it. Yeah, it. We've done it, Jeds. Forty forty eight episodes in, and we've all, and we've now finally become jaded of Monday Night Raw. Are you happy now, Vince? I think the thing for most people is like, especially even, even people I know who are like still diehard on WWE and aren't like me and you know like flip between companies like every two seconds mm. Mm. is it even even some of them are like yeah Raw's just kind of a thing I have on yeah like, it... people just don't really not as many like people watch it and it still gets like a 1.6 1.7 I'm not going to go into the whole TV ratings discussion because I really don't think it's the right place to have it or no. have it at all really Um, like People are still watching it, but it seems like a lot of people that do watch it are just kind of watching it out of principles. Yeah. <laughs> or or they're part of a website where they've got to cover the wrestling news. <laughs> also true. <laughs> um, but no, uh, going on next, going over to NXT, we'll start off with um, NXT UK. And uh, just to pick up on an observation uh, I saw someone put on Twitter, um, Noam Dar has been putting in work. Gosh, he, on NXT UK, he has been slightly over his time with WWE. He's kind of put on some bangers. He really has. Like, 
like he has knocked it out of the park several times on NXT UK. Um, I think it was I think it was Apron Bump that that tweeted the other day um, about how just how kind of under the radar and how bloody good Noam Dahl's been recently. And he has. I like, mean, like in all fairness, I will arguably never forgive him for the name of his finisher, but. <laughs> yeah but he has been putting in work and i can't deny that and he's actually been an amazing talent for xuk especially at the point where they were introducing um Shaw samuels yes yes i'm glad to see the pinky party in nxt uk that's for sure <laughs> just 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 the grade o short of the pinky party so that's a yeah uh, no, I can dream. I can dream. We could all dream for sure. No, he had a great match against Nathan Carter, um, a British rounds match this week. Yeah. Um, but damn, it's again, it made me go, he's been putting in some really good matches and segments. Like his supernova sessions are really entertaining to watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Also, want to give uh, a shout out as well to Subculture. Like just yeah, the they, whole... they were they were gonna be uh, what eight, the whole the whole um, the whole faction as it were because I know for for myself and for Sam and I imagine for Ridden as well we all have our own subcultures that we identify within <laughs> and and seeing this I, I don't know what it is I guess for me it's kind of seeing this kind of unique blending of distinct uk subcultures yeah yeah because like i know obviously for sam mod representation <laughs> fun fact i once told flash morgan webster when i met him uh one for one of the first times that he got me back into the mod culture you should have seen the look on his face he was so damn happy when i said that <laughs> um i again i don't i don't Ridden, which out of the two of um, skater culture and punk culture would you say you identify with closest? Oh, that's hard. Um, twist my arm, probably. I'm probably more on the skater side of things. Despite yeah. not skating at all. Yeah, but like I know, played, I know what you mean. Though. If you've played Tony Hawk, then you definitely have skated before. <laughs> No, that's bad. And yes, it's good. <laughs> yeah, because like again, in the in the in the same vein, like I kind of identify with both sides of it. Yeah, and having a, like a very dis- you know, a very distinct kind of element of punk mindset, and it it being a a very direct inspiration for me. Yeah, and so I I love the kind of blending of the the groups together and kind of the three of them saying like despite our differences we stand ourselves out from everyone else yeah Yeah. um it's just great seeing mark andrews back in the ring he love mark andrews love love flashball webster and daddy luna they're all great yes uh if you ever had the chance or the pleasure of meeting or chatting with mark andrews the loveliest guy you will ever meet in professional wrestling that's pretty good as well. The loveliest person I have ever met. <laughs> too darn lovely, actually, Mark. You're yeah. too darn lovely. <laughs> uh, and just to follow up with the last bit from there, 
we have announced that uh, Zaya Brookside is no longer competing in the women's gauntlet eliminator. Uh, and had been replaced with Miko Satomura. Now, I'm not going to speculate on why Zaya Brookside isn't in it. Um, uh, there's, yeah. there's theories, I shall say. There have been rumors and theories, but not, nothing solid as to why she wasn't appearing. Yeah, I won't... Uh, she... Definitely won't go yeah. into details, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it, 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 it is what it is. Um, but to be... But, you know, Mako Satomura. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mako Satomura is the now mystery entrant and goes through and wins and now has another shot at... T- oh, no, has a, another match with Kaylee Ray for the NXT UK women's title. Uh, which I wouldn't say... Which I'm not going to say no to. And it should be that Mako wins. I'm just saying. <laughs> Dude, look, right. I just want... Just what Mako versus Millie McKenzie, all right? Yeah, like I mean, that's not putting anything against Kaylee Ray, because oh no, no. Kaylee Ray, Kaylee Ray is fantastic. Yeah, like, Kaylee Ray is amazing. We don't want to take anything away from Kaylee Ray, but also Mako versus Millie McKenzie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm just saying, it, it should be a match that they do. Bef- it should be a match that they do before they can't do it anymore. Yes. I, I agree on that one, for sure. Uh, moving over to NXT main. We had Austin Fury versus Karrion Cross, which was like a pretty by-the-books match. Yeah. Um, it was an okay match. Uh, your atypical NXT match to build up a feud. Yeah. Is that the uh, safe way of saying it? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, we then had Brizango versus MSK, which I'm hoping develops into a feud. Yeah, this was a good match. Because uh, I think that those two are basically made for each other. Oh, oh yeah. Like I agree on that one. Oh, they, they were such a good match. Such a good match. Uh, we now have it announced that the next TakeOver will be another rerun of TakeOver In Your House. Uh the best Hosted news about and it. casted by Todd Pettengill. That's the best news! Todd Pettengill is back, just like la- Just like last time. <laughs> I'm so happy Todd Pettengill's back! <laughs> uh, boy of the century. Boy of the decade. Yeah. And, and the man who single-handedly saved the new generation in the OSW uh, <laughs> arc of Lex Luger. <laughs> And Lex Luger. <laughs> um, we then had Leon Ruff versus Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne is showing an open challenge. Leon Ruff answering. Uh, again, pretty by the books. It, it's building Pete Dunne. Um, I guess the question is where does Pete Dunne go from here? Because he's just kind of having matches and then like nothing. Yeah, I, 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 I. I'm 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 afraid he I'm afraid of him floundering in the upper mid card. Um, well, yeah, it all kind of depends where where things work out with the with the NA title scene because yes. that's become quite congested. It no, it it really has. I mean, I wouldn't uh, be I wouldn't if it were me. I wouldn't put be you know. Uh, I wouldn't be afraid to keep him in the main event picture for the NXT title because, as, as you said, there's so many people there in the NA picture. 
I wouldn't be afraid of putting Pete Dunne in the NXT title. I mean, because for well, that's, me, that's it's the that thing. thing that of... There's so many. There's so many people in the NA picture. But when like we had the segment last week, mm. the the thing was, it was like there was like six people all staking claims for the NXT title. Yeah, and so it's kind of just like, you know, what what do you do? Stop! 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 Poaching people from the Indies, Hunter? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, look, I can't. I, I can't stop that. <laughs> Can you at least stop him from taking selfies with these guys every time they're signed? But what? How will we know if there isn't a picture? If there isn't a picture of Triple H with his arm around their shoulder and him doing the point? Oh, for God's sake! How will we know? <laughs> That's when we know it's official. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> um, but no, so like, like it, it, it's it's an odd situation to have when you go, man. Our title picture's looking too good right now. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing how good NXT's got it <laughs> as compared um, to the rest of the company. <laughs> uh, Mercedes Martinez versus Raquel Gonzalez. Great Hoss women's match. Yeah. Uh, NXT is hitting out the park with these now. Um, I do want to see Mercedes Martinez hold the NXT women's title. Yeah, I think Obviously, she... I know, um, at least in comparison to a, quite a fair chunk of the talent on NXT, she is on the older side. Yeah, I think for a woman as legendary a career as hers has been, it would be such a great cherry on top of the cake to be NXT Women's Champion. Yeah, like I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of like thank you runs, but I I think that I don't I I you know I think there's a there's a easily a reason they could give it to her and it wouldn't affect anyone else. Yeah, and she's definitely main event material. Absolutely. Like, certain. Uh, we had the return of Bobby Fish. Um, I was I so hyped for I this. Will... Question, is that his actual name? That is indeed. Yeah. Robert Fish. <laughs> Robert Fish. I don't know what, I don't know how to feel about a name like that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have multiple thoughts about that as a name in general. Is it because his profession should be a fishmonger and not a wrestler? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> because like, on one hand, well, I mean, that, that's, yes. what, that's what I say to my, that's what I say to my friend and, and her family, but... Yeah. See, on <laughs> one hand, yes. On the other hand, that's the most I'm a wrestler name I have heard in a while. Or a mobster. <laughs> either, either, either your name's going to be Terry Danger or Bobby Fish. That's at the at the village hall in a in a, yeah <laughs> in a, in outskirt in a home county somewhere like Brighton. There you go. Terry Danger versus Bobby Fish <laughs> at the Brighton Worthing Pier. Church Hall. Yes. <laughs> no, all, all intents and purposes, though, I'm great to see Bobby Fish back in, in on the side of Kyle O'Reilly. Is this a Red Dragon yeah, no, reunion? Um, I wouldn't say no to a Red Dragon reunion. See, like, that's the thing. They should. <laughs> they should. Could you imagine that? MSK all, versus all, Red and Dragon. Also, and also, like, as I say to people... Please, can we, if we're going to have them, can we have it like Ring of Honor style where they're a tag team, but they do single stuff as well? Yes. 
can these please these things are not like they're not exclusive of each other <laughs> yeah because you can still have kylo riley go for the world championship and still be a tag team with bobby like this is a this is a thing that can happen. But let's get on to the highlight of the night for NXT: the Kushida versus Santos Escobar cruiserweight two out cruiserweight title two out of three falls match. This match was fantastic. This match was incredible. <laughs> it's so good, and I'm just like, yes. Now, now they finally get what they have with Kushida. Yeah, and I'm so happy for that, and and I'm so glad he's found a great opponent in Santos Escobar to do that with. Because it's like we were, I was saying to people before, it's like, you know, people say, or people were saying to me, it's like, oh, you wouldn't have realized that Kushida was like a multiple-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion and like best of Super Junior winner from how they were treating him in NXT. And I'm like, look, he gets that moment though. Yeah. You're set, and I th- like I mean, the, I mean again, the the great thing with uh, NXT is that he is able to work his style, mm-hmm. and people are willing to work that with him. Which is, you know, that's such a good thing to see because, well, the person we're talking about in the subject, when people would work that style, he would throw a hissy fit. But it's nice to Sorry. see people willing to meet him at at you know, in his ballpark and go, you know what? I want to work exactly how you work. And and Santos keeps up with him and gives it back to him as well. And it's just like such a great, uh, that match in particular is such a great tit for tat in terms of moves, counters into submissions, high flying spots from Santos as well. And it's just, damn, that I mean, made me realize Damn, that's the cruiserweight match I've been looking for since, well, since Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali. And this, this is the thing I've been saying to people: it's like this is why I want eyes on cruiserweight wrestling because it can be so, you know, like Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali, or I believe it was Mustafa Ali versus Cedric Alexander. Yes. Both fantastic in their own right. It's great cruiserweight matches. Mm. Um, or, you know, if you go back... So, like, the one of the ones I would say will be one of the most underrated feuds in wrestling. Uh, Tajiri versus Rey Mysterio, like, 2002, oh, 2003. Yeah, that was such a good rivalry. Like, Damn, that was good. Cruiserweight wrestling is so mixed and so varied, and there's so many people doing so many different things with it that oh, it's yeah. not limited to the whole high flying thing and it's great to see someone like Santos Escobar just go strike for strike yeah I mean I guess when you talk about that with Cruiserweight Wrestling the best person if you want to go back in time that comes to mind is Gregory Helms I mean we we mm. talked extensively about that in our Cruiserweight Division episode Dude, about how Gregory Helms um, Gregory Helms God. could you imagine him versus did, Kushida did, because didn't well, I was gonna say, didn't Dean Malenko do WCW cruiserweights? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Eddie was working WCW cruiserweights. Chris Jericho yeah. was working there. Two called Scorpio. Alex Wright, like yeah, Alex Wright. So varied, and that's ultimately that is what the division needs. Yeah, and I'm, I'm again like NXT's commitment to the cruiserweight division has been. Um, 
fantastic and I, I am so happy that they have it and they're putting time into it yeah i mean what better and what better way to do it than you know give it to arguably the greatest light heavyweight in professional wrestling today i'd say that yeah no that, like the 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 point is there and i think it stands <laughs> <laughs> absolutely no uh go out of your way to watch it uh Reardon, especially if you haven't seen it watch the highlights then watch the full match if you if you're mm. if you were tempted by the highlights I'm probably going to be tempted by the, by the highlights. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, we'll just quickly move over to AEW before we get to SmackDown. We had uh, Yuji Nagata versus John Moxley again. Amazing. Exactly what I expected. Exactly what I wanted. Two of them beating the hell out of each other. It was great. Going move for move. The only things I could pick out are so slight, I argue they hardly make a difference. Agreed. I know there are a couple of things that I've, uh, that I thought are a bit off, but then again, it's like, well, well, that's me nitpicking. That is just me purely nitpicking at it. But no, God, this match was good. This was great. Little thing as well. Thank you, Tony Khan, for buying the rights to Wild Thing for John Moxley. Do I get the Onita tribute in? What? Meanwhile, Onita's busy booking explosion matches again. <laughs> <laughs> so this is being the joint partnership of the forbidden door opening between FMW and uh, <laughs> and AEW. I mean, honestly, talking of that, I would like to see Nick Gage versus Onita in an exploding barbed wire death match. Well, maybe the revived FMWE. The E stands for explosion. Yes. <laughs> um, that that could be a possibility. Um. Um, no, great match. Uh, no, also in that in that same show, uh, SCU no longer together. I liked this match. See, I liked until... this, but the problem I had the problem I had was that well, the, okay, a uh, a certain tag team that was in the match, yeah, um, but also it basically felt like they gave it no coverage. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I agree. It, that, like, was that was horrible. They were just kind of. They were just kind of like, okay, cool. I guess they're not a tag team anymore. I'm like, haven't you guys been like building this for like, the last couple months? <laughs> exactly. And for guys, uh, guys as legendary as Daniels and Kazarian, it was kind of a bit of a of a bum note to end it like that. Yeah. Also, I liked this match up until I mean up until a certain point, and I think it is the ending, and you know what I'm talking about if you yeah. about that. It just seemed unnecessary for the Bucks to take the Mick out of the Flair Michaels moment, but maybe that's just me. It just it seemed a bit, it seemed a bit too on the nose as well as a little bit unnecessary. I think the thing for me is that I don't know. I feel bad saying this, but I feel like it was completely unnecessary. Mm. like i don't know that it did anything to add to the match i don't even yeah. know that it really got the reaction that they wanted exactly exactly i think if anything it, it just could kind, it just kind of felt in kind of poor taste mm. but i think again i know like some people saw it and were like oh that's great or oh, that's really mm. funny no I, I i can understand that to a certain extent for the people that did find enjoyment in that i just felt it didn't wasn't needed especially because of the visual of daniels already being 
uh, busted open hard way, quite um, and quite bad. Oh yeah, he was. Um, I think a simple he was wearing kick, red pretty hard. A simple super kick to a very groggy uh, Daniels would have been a good ending to that. I think you could have easily called an audible if that if you were bu- if you booked that to be the ending. If, if you'd seen what had happened to Daniels, I'd be like, no, you know what? Let's just have it a very kind of. Let's do it differently. I'm going to call an audible. He's groggy. He's on spaghetti legs. I'll just super kick him for the free count, and that'll be that. But I don't know. I'm not the booker, so... <laughs> I'm not the executive vice president of AEW, so what do I know? Moving on, uh, I I quite like the swerve on the uh, the swerve to Omega uh, as a result of the match between uh, Orange Cassidy and uh, Pat. Yeah. Uh, with it being... Whoever won got the whoever wins gets the title opportunity. It goes to a no contest because of interference, and then it's actually a triple threat now. Yeah. Speaking of audibles, um, apparently in that match, uh, Orange Cassidy did take quite a, a quite an awful bump, and they had to kind of call the match on the fly because apparently it was going to end as a double, like a double disqualification or a double countout. But yeah. Cassidy um, took a bump on his head, and it was um, again was a bit on kind of was a bit loopy was knocked a bit loopy after that so they had to kind of think on the fly and that's what happened with um with the uh, double uh, was it the double d it was a double dq wasn't it, it? yeah yeah i believe so um so yeah um i hope he's all right he said he's fine but um yeah we're getting a triple threat match for the AEW championship uh and i'm really excited yeah. to see cassidy in the main event for the AEW yeah. title yeah. If if Pack wins, I mean, I oh man, could you? I mean, I I would love to see that happen. Like I, I'll lay, my, love to see I'll that lay myself down here and I'll say if Pack wins, I'll go out and buy some Nuki Brown. <laughs> Just I got to gotta be... do, I gotta, I gotta do it to represent. Yeah, you gotta represent. There you go. There you go. A li- we'll do a live recording of of Dan drinking Nuki Brown Ale. Yeah, that's what the people really want to see. <laughs> um, just finally, though, uh, moving over to uh, Darby Allen versus Miro Miro, new TNT champion. A lot of people are wondering when that's going to happen. Basically, yeah. Uh, a lot of people said Miro floundered when he debuted in AEW. I, f- I, I felt like he was having fun more than anything else. Was trying well, to rediscover think, the fun. I think, I think Miro was his priorities were just in a different place. Yeah, I think he was there purely to reinvigorate his love and his fun for professional wrestling. So like I, there are other, again, there are there are other people that uh, other podcasts and stuff that. You know, I've spoken to throughout the course of doing this. Who you know, who have said, and again, respectfully agree to disagree on different things. Of course, we don't know the guy himself hasn't mm. hasn't said to us. But I just kind of saw it as he probably just wants to do something different, change up how it is in his head, yeah. get himself into a new space, and then worry about the next bit. Yeah. Um, um, and again, as much as I'm doing personal reckoning and stuff around Darby <laughs> Allen and his title reign and stuff like that, um, I do have to say that 
amongst amongst everything and in acknowledgement of it, AEW have done a fantastic job of making him important. Yes. And giving him and basic basically I say I say I guess I say legitimizing him to their audience. Indeed. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that one. I think this match you exemplified know, I, I have, that. Yeah, I mean, again, I have other bits about how, it, you know, the kind of in-ring character he has, which has kind of changed. <laughs> what, what do you mean? From... I thought you changed, I thought you well, changed the name of his song went... to I'm Sting, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because it, it, at the start, it was kind of like, he's just someone that's going to do stuff. You know, he doesn't care about his body as long as it does damage to the other person. Whereas mm. now it's just Darby Allen gets beaten up for twenty minutes. <laughs> that I mean, um, that is true. <laughs> but even still, I, I again with the with the title reign and how he's been, and uh, I mean, I guess also by Sting being there, I don't really know what Sting's done in this whole thing, but he's been there. He's around. Um, and that draws num- and that draws people the numbers. So you know, yeah. Cause, cause I, I think what I think what they have done is they have legitimized Darby Allen to their audience. Absolutely, because there was a worry, and I think we even discussed it that there was a, we were worried that Sting it was going to be oh because Sting's there because he's the bigger draw. It's going to kind of sh- kind of take the spotlight it's off of the Darby. Sting show. But mm. if anything, it's been the complete opposite. <laughs> And that's kind of refreshing to see as a wrestling fan that that's oh it's yeah. the, the younger guy's actually been the one with the with all the time and the light spotlight in his uh in his face. That's 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 great. It's yeah. it's a shocking thing to see. <laughs> Take notes, Vince, that's how you do it. <laughs> uh and then just just quickly for the end of it, we'll just run over to uh at least what we think is next week. Uh, looks like there could be a match between Miro and Lance Archer, or some kind of segment between the two of them. Ooh. Uh, we have Ser- uh, Serena Deeb uh, versus Red Velvet. Ooh. Uh, the Young Bucks versus Varsity Blondes. Mm. Uh, Christian Cage versus Matt Seidel. Super excited for that one. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Ogogo versus Austin Gunn, and the Acclaimed versus uh, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Excellent. Um, I'm just gonna say I'm leaving it till next week to address Cody's promo because I cannot find the words to accurately convey my thoughts. I wholeheartedly agree with that one. I was able to like vaguely summarize it in a couple of messages in some Discord servers, but other than that, I haven't been able to. It is. I've, so I'll, I'm going to leave it to next week. <laughs> I will leave it to next week, but I will give you a preview of it was one of the most head-scratching moments I have ever witnessed in a wrestling show. Um, but just quickly going through SmackDown, uh, Natalia and Tamina, the new t- women's tag team title holders. I think it's odd that they did it on an edition of SmackDown, but... There we go. I mean, um, after 11 I, years, Tamina finally has a championship to her name. I don't know why they couldn't have done it at Backlash, but... Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I'm happy for them, and I'm yeah. happy that it kind of... I'm, I I feel weird saying that. I feel like it's kind of freed Shayna Baszler. Yeah. She yeah. is free from her shackles. 
<laughs> what of my um, hole? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of, of the last like six months. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> However long it's been at this point. Um, but no, I'm hoping that opens up some opportunities for them. I'm super happy for Tamina, and I mean Tamina is looking super important and a, a real vested interest for them right now. As I said, man, um, eleven years finally. And the thing, time. the thing is, and the thing is, it, it's happened without the assumed passage that everyone was going to take, which was she was just going to join up with Roman. Yeah, yeah. And she's done. She's done this on her own steam with Natalia, which is a which is a bloody good thing to see. Um. Rey Mysterio wins over Dolph Ziggler, uh, and we have more further, uh, further build for Cesaro and Roman's match coming at Backlash. You know, I don't know why the phrase of of Rey Mysterio won against Dolph Ziggler shocked me as much as it did, but it's 2021, and I'm like, yo, Rey Mysterio? Yeah. <laughs> To be fair, that that fully could have been a match that was booked in like twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. Well, that match fully there's could have been problem. booked like ten years ago. There's your I, problem. There's... I think that's what's freaking me out as much. Absolutely. Moving on to matches that couldn't have been booked ten years ago. Baron Corbin beat Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, ow! Ow! That was a ooh, Baron was Corbin a... wasn't wrestling. What? What? Was it in twenty eleven? Uh, no, he was uh, still playing football, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, uh, but no, um... Why did no, this Aaron happen? Corbin wins, and then Shinsuke hits him with a Kinshasa after the match, and then steals his crown and wears it, and is incredibly dramatic, and uh, all I have to say is iconic. I love him. It's not as good <laughs> as his is his spiky crown from New Japan, but I'll take anything if it. Yeah, but he, also, but he also, but he also, had a he also had full leather gear, fireworks, and pole dancers in the background. That is true. That is true. I will and take I don't any think... vestige of King of Strong Style now. <laughs> like I literally don't think we can get that kind of energy ever again. It's in the oh, ether no. now. <laughs> that that is exclusively Wrestle Kingdom energy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, if if this if they want to give us some prerequisite to King of the Ring returning, hell yes. Um, if they wanted, I don't know, give it to Shinsuke so they could, I don't know, perhaps be the full time King of Strong style. Yes. That I don't know could perhaps lead to um, a Universal title shot, maybe. Oh, please just don't call him King Nakamura. Um, or King Shing. Oh, no, they would call him King, King Shin. Shin, wouldn't they? Oh, Jesus Christ, they would. All right. Uh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> please. Uh, further build between uh, Bianca Belair and Bailey ahead of their title match at Backlash. And then we have the four-way uh, title match with the Intercontinental title. Uh, also booked as well but i believe i can't remember if they booked that for backlash or not i saw good friend i want to say they book i want to say they booked it for backlash i i just i <laughs> i just want to um shout out josh our good friend josh of the podcast who tweeted out the promo picture for that four-way and sammy Zayn still is not looking at the camera he's looking to the left and looks very excited like he's just seen something that very much pleases him it's the most amazing. I mean, I think, I think, I mean, per- personally, personally, my favorite moment of this segment uh, was when Biggie said, "Like this is the 
this is the biggest joke award ceremony since Macklemore won best rap album, which is a which is a which is an experience I feel viscerally. Yes. <laughs> Is anyone who knows me and gets to talk to me about music will hear me say that. <laughs> I'm guessing you're not a fan of Macklemore by any chance. Uh, it's, more, I, it, it's more I'm a much bigger fan of Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> who isn't? Uh... Um, but no, um, it's, again, pretty good se- pretty good segment all in, all in really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I am going to be here and say this, that I hope... Sami Zayn is able to keep his position um, after what he's recently been saying and using his platform for. Um, I'm worried about. Um, I'm I, I'm very worried as well, considering that have been a few sportsmen that have done that, and they've been. It's looking like they're being reprimanded for what they're saying. Um, but I'll put it to you this way: Sami Zayn, when he debuted in NXT, wore a shirt. A very, a yeah. very, uh, a very um, on the button shirt, and he didn't. No yeah. one, and like, no one battered an eyelid at that. So, like Sami Zayn is not the person to just like hide away from it. And <laughs> he's I, going I, to I, say I it. He's going to say it loudly. I respect the hell out of him for doing so. Absolutely. Uh, just moving on to some final additional bits as well. We, as everyone's heard the news recently, uh, New Jack. Recently, also Jerome Young recently passed. Yeah, yeah this one, yeah, oh man, this one was very. I wasn't expecting it. Fifty-eight, right? At fifty-eight years old. That's again. It's 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 too darn young. That's These wrestlers so go young. way too young. And I'll say this: I didn't. I I had my ups and downs and my negative thoughts about Jack, especially the way he, you know, certain things, certain incidents that had happened with Jack in the ring. Sometimes I would say he did go a bit too far with it, but he does live in the folklore of professional wrestling and for ECW, and you can't help but respect respect him for that. And the fact that, for more intents and purposes, when when he was, you know, when he was on his good side, when you're on his good side, he was a genuinely lovely person. So. He also did great cameos. I've seen one in particular that's been making the rounds on Twitter that's absolutely hilarious. So (laughs) it looked like he had his life together as well. Like he had a, you know, he was married, he had a loving wife. Um, He looked like he was really kind of trying to, you know, get on the straight and narrow with stuff. But no, and that's the bit I think that sucks the most. Yeah. I. I can't and won't make any excuses of some of the stuff he did because some of the stuff he did was terrible. Mm. Utterly terrible. I think my my hope is that at the end he had found some peace. I think that's the best way of putting it. Absolutely. I, I, I hope that I hope that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm very much in the same boat as Ridden. You know, yeah. I am very conflicted over his yeah. over his legacy and his yeah. reverence, but like I can't, I'm not, I can't be there to deny other people the connection that they felt toward him or how important they deemed him to be because he was fundamentally an important part of a company, and there were people that genuinely liked him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And he's uh, and his Dark Side of the Ring episode was actually a really compelling watch. Fascinating yeah. to watch. Really fascinating. Uh, just moving on again. Uh, 
the Hanakamura uh, Mitsuharu Masawa Memorial Shows will be going ahead. Uh, they have stated um, Hanakamura what is going as planned, which I believe is the 23rd of May. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Masawa one will also be going ahead as well on the uh, originally proposed date. Uh and then just finally as well, uh, Ring of Honor now bringing back Survival of the Fittest for June. Hey, there you go. Throwback mm. and a half. <laughs> We're getting all kinds of old school, but with that, we are done with the news. Awesome. So we've got a couple of recommendation corners to go through. Chaps, I'm going to do a pretty long one for mine. I know Reardon has one as well, but yeah. I definitely want to talk about the first three episodes of Dark Side of the Ring Season 3. How, um, mm. I really, really enjoyed the Brian Pillman episode, uh, the two-parter of that, as well as it just being a bloody gut-wrenching and heartbreaking story, um, especially for Brian's kids. Um, mm. I, I thought, oh my goodness, these kids have been through so freaking much. Brian Jr. especially has been through a hell of a lot, and he went, went through a hell of a lot in his childhood. Um, but Brian is such a compelling character in the in the world of pro wrestling, and the way he was able to finagle getting out of his contract at WCW to then go and, and work for WWF under the pretense that he was going to eventually come back to WCW. But reports would suggest that Brian was actually looking for just more money and was looking to get out of WCW altogether. <laughs> And of course, his promo style, his character of the loose cannon was was just like he he went all in on that. Even when he was in the back and no cameras are on, he went full on with his character to the point where most people had thought that when he had that car accident, everyone thought he was everyone thought he was working them because and I shit you not Reardon a lot of people thought he was actually having plastic surgery to look, uh, to look like Shawn Michaels to be his evil twin that uh, hmm. good lord <laughs> <laughs> that's how good Brian Pillman was at working the boys Jesus uh, and the third episode of Dark Side of the Ring was of course Nick Gage which again was I think as is up there as one of my personal favourite episodes of Dark mm. Side of the Ring. Um, again, another really kind of up and down uh, story of, of Nick Gage going from a, a cult um, rest, a deathmatch wrestler in, CZ, in the beginning of CCW to then becoming um, a, an icon, really, for the American scene, especially in deathmatches. So they talked about, you know, how he, he pre- in, during the Tournament of Death, he practically died for seven minutes um they talk about his unfortunate um you know his unfortunate um troubles with drug addiction which led him to of course the bank robbery that happened and when he was jailed for five years and then you know coming back to finally kind of you know redeeming himself and you know getting on the straight and narrow now he's you know he's kind of become a quite a universally loved person in the world of wrestling uh to the point where john moxley did say that Vince McMahon would kill for anyone to have the sort of connection to an audience that Nick Gage has. And you know mm. what? I tend to agree with Mox on that one. Cause... Yeah, I think an important thing with that statement is a lot of people completely mis- misinterpreted it. Mm. Which is they took it as Vince McMahon would kill to have a wrestler like 
Nick Gage, and that that isn't what he's saying. No, no. Or at it's... least to my mind, that isn't what he's saying. And what I, to my mind, he is saying is that people who are fans of Nick Gage and like I count myself among them mm. feel. You know, it, it's just it's just a it is a close connection. You just like you want to support him. Absolutely. For a guy that really does support human rights, such as gay and trans rights as well, and you wouldn't th- you wouldn't think of it for a guy like Nick Gage, who is so ultra violent and so kind of like in your face with his violence, you'd be he'd be like, yeah, I support gay rights. Be like, you're the man. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> And of course, what wouldn't be an episode on Nick Gage if they didn't talk about his match with David Arquette? Yeah. <laughs> but no, Dark Side of the Ring, again, they're knocking it out of the park, and I'm really excited yeah. for the rest of the season, um, especially with some of the episodes that are coming up as well. Some really yeah, intriguing subjects they've got. Um, one that's coming up is Collision in Korea. Which I am so, like interested in listening to other people's perspectives on that there is a great video by the youtuber called kim justice i don't know if it's on youtube anymore but when she did one she talked about the whole collision in korea absolutely if you can find that or subscribe to her patreon she has that up there such an incredible watch but no i'm looking forward to that one in particular reardon your recommendation please sir yes my recommendation is a simple one, Castlevania season four, which is out by God. Netflix is so terrible at like advertising. Yeah. Because I only found out that it was properly out today at the time of this recording. <laughs> it is ridiculous. I saw the teaser and it's just, it's just out now. But um, as of the time of this recording, I am like halfway through. It is fantastic i can't i you know i didn't like this first season at all i I don't like the first season i honestly think was pretty bad but it has gone from strength to strength holy hell and um the fight scenes are oh man they're good they're so good aren't they (laughs) oh they're so good there are a few that i won't spoil but i will say it has some of my favorite animated depictions of super speed. Yes. That I've ever seen. Dear <laughs> Lord, some of those moves. <laughs> and yeah, like once you get onto um, certain episodes, you'll know what I mean. But that is definitely my recommendation. <laughs> No, great choice there. Great choice indeed. Alrighty then, with that all done and out of the way, let us talk about. The person who gave us the name for this podcast, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. WrestleMania, the showstopper, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. <sighs> so, first question, I'm going to go straight out of the fe- out of the uh, out of the gate with this one. What for you, gentlemen, makes Shawn Michaels so darn great? What was it that attracted you to Shawn Michaels and made you go, yeah, this guy's good? You, you know, in one word, I'm going to say uh, versatility. I would say it's, it's the thing that comes to mind with Shawn Michaels. 
It's funny you say that because I was literally going to say his versatility is well written. Yeah, <laughs> Damn you. it's it's no, but it is, but it's true. The sheer. I don't know. I can't think of a wrestler like that can do everything. Hmm. Even, even like uh, even like Ric Flair, who you could make an argument. I'm not going to get into the argument. You could make an argument that he is the greatest wrestler of all time. Hmm. Not getting into an argument. Do not add us. <laughs> but let's just put let's just put him as an example. As unbelievable as Ric Flair could be, he couldn't do everything. Mm. Or at least there were certain things that he wasn't as good. Mm. I don't like at his peak, I don't know if there is a wrestling match, a wrestling style that Shawn Michaels could not do, could not make work. And I and I keep, kept, and you kept on like watching him thinking like, he surely he can't do that. And he would do it. If you want like, if you want like pure technical wrestling, you, you can, like, I don't know a wrestler where I could like, you could go down the list of types of matches and find a Shawn Michaels example in literally every single one. Yeah. I don't know many wrestlers that could do that. I agree. With and you I know. and and I think and and the fact that um he did that in in an era of constant and I do mean constant change and evolution evolutions in wrestling like styles and what kind of different types of audiences and still remaining relevant with caveats we'll get into it. Huh. All over that point of time, he wrestled almost consistently in in one of the most shifting landscapes in professional wrestling history, and was and had relevant and was relevant and had great matches in every single era. That's not something you can say about everyone, and I think that's what kind of shocks the living crap out of me when it comes to looking. At his body of work. Yeah, I, 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 I think that, I think that pretty much sums it up. I mean, unless you need, you, you want to add anything as well to that. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, that covers most. I guess the thing for me that, I guess the thing, yeah, I guess the thing for me that did it was, uh, as a younger wrestling fan, I was always drawn to. I mean, is it larger than life characters? Mm. And I mean, you don't really get much larger than life than Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Like, I can't lie. If you're willing to come out to a theme song which is called Sexy Boy, I feel like you've got to have that confidence. <laughs> that is true. I mean, for a, for a gimmick that was originally supposed to be just a straight-up stripper, he certainly did turn it into a much larger than life character, didn't he? He kept yeah. that after he became a born again Christian. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. What I think what made him so great is when you went when you it from anything from a house show to a to WrestleMania, every time he would step through that curtain and do the entrance, you felt like, Oh my god, this is the best, most important match of, of the bloody year. That's the thing. It's like he I was just always drawn to him because I was like you know, you, I guess it's that thing. If you see him for the first time, you go, who is this person? 
Dancing yeah. in chaps. <laughs> Dancing in chaps and chainmail. <laughs> no, that, that, that's, damn, that, that, that pretty much kind of sums up, I think, not just ours, but that is a pretty good summation of, I think, a lot why a lot of people love or may think that Sean is so damn good. Alrighty. Before we get on to what we usually like to do with these retrospectives, talking about our favourite moments and matches, it is a very brief, and I'm going to try and make it as brief as possible, but we'll see how far we get with this one. A very brief history into the look, into the life and career, I should say, of Shawn Michaels. Okay. Born Michael Sean Hickenbottom in 1965, the youngest of four, and grew up in a military family. So this fun fact, because of his, uh, you know, upbringing being in a military family, he briefly spent time living in Reading. Really? Old tight Reading. Yep. <laughs> Before calling San Antonio, Texas his home. So yeah, he spent a little bit of time in Reading. Um, I believe this is where he said he became a Blackburn fan. If you've seen that promo uh, of the, of the uh, I think it was the final game of the season. Uh, for Blackburn yeah. uh, when, uh, during their Premiership win, and Shawn Michaels was there talking about how much he was a fan of Blackburn Rovers. That's it's... unbelievable. I think, <laughs> yep. the, I think the I think the operative part of that is when he he became a Blackburn fan while living in Reading. Yeah, that's supposedly the talk, the, the 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 folklore tale to go by in that promo. But I something tells me I doubt that very much. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, stop me if if you if 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 I'm wrong. But I feel like that's it's like he's there. He's been you know he's been invited there, and they're on the house shows tour. Yeah, he's just saying that because he's at Blackburn, isn't he? <laughs> Apparently, Shawn Michaels doesn't remember that he was at Blackburn. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think of many reasons why that might be the case. We'll that's... get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that. Okay, so yes, he was a standout athlete in high school football, was a linebacker, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. For, for a guy his height and size, you wouldn't think of him as a linebacker, yeah, would you? Yeah. You really wouldn't. He would soon leave college. Uh, he uh, attended the Southwest Texas State University shortly into his, uh, I think it was might have been his first or second semester, to uh, pursue professional wrestling, which was one of his childhood passions. I mean, he ended up loving uh, professional wrestling ever since the age of 12. Uh, and of course, as everyone knows, Ric Flair was one of his favourite wrestlers. Makes it would have been it would have been yeah. during his time in college, Ric Flair was kind of like, I think it was the impetus for him to go, you know what, no, screw it, I'm going to go pursue professional wrestling. So he would be trained by Jose Lafario, and shortly after beginning... Uh, his training, he adopted the ring name Sean Michaels. Because he does not like being called Michael. He does not like that name. So mostly kind of his entire kind of life, he's always been called by his middle name, which is Sean. Ah. Yeah. Michael ain't so bad. <laughs> weird, isn't it? It's just a weird little fact there <laughs> about Michaels. Mm. But no, his debut was on the 8th of October 1984 at NWA Mid-South Wrestling in a match against Art Cruz. Despite the loss, he impressed many veterans in the locker room that night. Uh, I mean, immediately from there, a lot of people could see that he had an agility, uh, a wing ring awareness, and the technical ability that was leaps and bounds over people, you know, of his peers. 
um, starting out, even to some of the veterans as well. They could tell that there was something really special about this guy. From there, he would tour the southern states, popping up in NWA, world-class championship wrestling, and Texas all-star wrestling. He'd make his national television debut in AWA at the age of 20 in a victory against Budokan. Yes, no, not Johnny S going, Budokan! Wait, wait, wait. Budokan? Yes, Budokan. <laughs> Literally, it's spelled Buddha. Budokan, but Budokan. For a moment, I was going to say, what? They just name a team after the fucking venue in Japan. <laughs> I was I was actually going to say, like, what, what? They changed the name of the famous Celtic warrior. <laughs> Budokan. I was going to go for Johnny Ace going, the Budokan! Uh, <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Sean My Sean Michaels versus Budokan Hall. <laughs> I know it's confusing, but it's it's what it says on Cage Match. So he he, he Dude, defeated the wrestler. I can't wait until we see Sean Michaels versus Korakuen. <laughs> That's the retirement match everyone's been waiting for. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, age twenty though, insane. That he'd make his national debut at just twenty. Yeah, let's. That's young. That's so young. Uh, cr- especially for that time. That is crazy to be at that age well, and yeah, be on national television. I'm going to say for that time, even now. Yeah, even now, like 20 years think, old. Unless you're, in, unless you're in the UK, that's veteran age, basically, age 20. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> I have a joke, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll nip that in the bud very quickly. All right. What's I, the... now, I, I cannot get away with saying, I, I mean, I can, but I won't say it. <laughs> I say can it... definitely get away with saying it. <laughs> say it off record. No, uh, anyway, yeah, whilst in AWA, he would form a team with Marty Janetti and would build as the Midnight Rockers. Basically, almost like, I would say, like a modern incarnation of the Midnight Express, but then, like, the Midnight Express was still like the over tag team and they were still kind of way into their career so it's like they weren't like a modern incarnation but they were still like in their time period basically they basically they were just the midnight express but uh with a word changed for you know safety reasons yes <laughs> yes and it, they def- they definitely didn't have their gimmick their gear and their moves copied straight off of uh of the midnight Complete- express <laughs> completely different team <laughs> Uh, I would tell you a fun story about um, about the Midnight Express that was in Jericho's autobiography, but that is going way off tangent. But I won't. Say. <laughs> I I will bring that oh, up one day. We'll, we'll do it when we get round to doing an episode on the Midnight Express. Honestly, yeah. it is very well worth doing that because they are a very interesting and intriguing tag team that are still wrestling to this day. Yeah, Ricky Morton's still wrestling, which is crazy. To they're st- and they're popping off Canadian Destroyers as well. But, you know, I, enough about that. I'll digress. Let's get into the Rockers and their WWF debut. Originally debuting in 1987, Sean and Marty were renamed the Rockers, but were fired two weeks later after signing due to a bar fight. Now, if that isn't the most Sean Michaels and Marty Jannetty thing. <laughs> yeah. So they, went, not... they shortly went back to a... AWA afterwards and captured tag gold twice, but they eventually ended up re-signing to the to the Fed a year later. So they were they were a mainstay tag team at that time during the golden era. They would put on great tag tag matches on the mid card and would have amazing rivalries with the with uh, Power and Glory 
uh, sometimes with the Legion of Doom and the Heart Foundation. Uh, with that one, uh, with that rivalry, yeah. they unofficially won the tag titles in the process. So technically, then they never won tag gold, but yeah, there was a recording. Uh, in a match yeah. against the Heart Foundation where they did win the titles, but unfortunately, I think that was null and void because the top rope uh, snapped. Uh. And so they forwent the recording, they scrapped that recording, and rather than just re-recording the match, they kind of made the Rockers' tag victory um, for the tag titles null and void. Which that's is a sucky odd. situation. Yeah, that's kind of odd situation, actually. I mean, it was beyond their control. It was beyond both teams' control. And I watched the match uh, as part of the research here. They still put on a decent match, even without a top rope. Hmm. So yeah, I would have still was, went with again, it. But... It, was, it was weird, because wasn't I think part of it as well was that, like, was it Jim Neidhart was having a contract dispute? and Yeah. So, like, they were constantly going back and forth and they're like okay well i guess if he's not going to re-sign then we'll give you guys the tag golden and like when they agreed that night i was like ah i'm good i've got my i've got my deal mm. <laughs> so yeah again you know it's the golden era backstage politics uh <laughs> <laughs> a, a sentence that we're never going to hear in this podcast ever. Indeed. So, that is the last we're going to hear of it in this episode. <laughs> so Sean and Marty had a number of altercations that would eventually lead to the tag split. Uh, a bar fight that happened when Roddy Piper showered praise on Sean and Marty got a little bit pissed off uh, caused them to have a fight. Um uh, and a photo shoot where they were paid uh, a photo shoot for a WWF serial where they were paid less than the Legion of Doom and Marty completely incensed that they got paid less than the than the Legion of Doom went and, uh, and turned their notice in uh for the for the ambition to jump to WCW now here's the thing Marty did this of his own volition Sean didn't want to leave uh, despite the fact, like, after Marty had done it, Sean was like, yeah, 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 I'll join you. That's fine. That's fine. Cool. I'll do that. Um, so Marty went and contacted Magnum TA uh, to negotiate a contract. And it was going to be better money than they were getting at WWF. All good. All awesome. Uh, Sean did a little bit of prying. Turns out Marty didn't uh, wasn't contacting Magnum TA at all. And instead was contacting Journeyman... Uh, and lower card talent Joey Mags. Sean, a little bit pissed off with this, decides to call Magnum TA straight up and says, look, what's happening? Are we getting offered contracts? And if so, what? how much? Magnum TA says, no, but I'll see what I can do. Uh, and they uh, lowballed them an offer, WCW. So at this time, they've just left the WWF. Vince didn't want Sean to leave. Sean's pissed at Marty because Marty was promising higher money. It said he was working with Magnum TA. Turns out that doesn't happen. Really pissed off with him. He goes back to Vince, asks for their jobs back. And once they come back, Sean says, I want to work on my own. So we're going to, as soon as we get signed, I'm at this. We're going to work on a storyline and I don't want to work with you ever again. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if I mean... Gonna, if... If you're ever going to have a justified reason to do that, that is one of them. Yeah, that is the most justified 
backstage politicking I've heard from Shawn Michaels of this era that he kind of he literally was not the aggressor on this one. <laughs> Uh, so no, take what I say with like a, I guess you could say with a pinch of salt, but he has said it in his autobiography and his, um, documentary that he did for WWE. Um, and he's, you know, both of them seem like both of them are pretty much the same story. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty safe to say that probably a good 18 to 90% of that is true. Hmm. Uh, but no, this would lead, of course, to the barbershop window incident happening in December 91. That would eventually air in January of 92. During Brutus Beefcake's barbershop segment, Sean and Marty seem to reconcile their differences, only for Sean to superkick Marty and throw him through the uh, window, solidifying his heel turn and, of course, becoming the heartbreak kid that we all know and love. Fun fact, it was Kurt Hennig that suggested the nickname of the heartbreak kid. Oh. Yeah. So I can see that. Along with this, you know, and adopting a new, more cocky persona and aligning himself with Sensational Sherry, uh, who would sing the second version of Sexy Boy. Of course, we all know the first and the demo version of Sexy Boy was sung yeah. by. <laughs> Vince McMahon, Kennedy McMahon, (laughs) and so we're off to the races. We we're off for the Shawn Michaels we all know and love. I have to I have to say though, as a sidebar, Sensational Sherry, amazing manager for the era. She was. Oh yeah, and almost perfect for Shawn at this time. Oh yeah. Um, with one little difference, I say we're at the races with the Shawn we all know and love. He actually his finisher at this time was a back suplex. Yeah, and it wasn't. Into, it, it was a super kick that was kind of his repertoire. It wouldn't be until at least a year or a couple of years later that he would use um, Sweet Chin Music as his finisher. Wow! And only do then know, it was still called we, the super kick. Yeah, do we know why? It's, why like? How did the name Sweet Chin Music even come about? Do we have um, any idea? Oh, uh, for the life of me, I know there's a story to it. This is terrible of me, to the guy who researches this. Um, I believe it might have been a name coming from what I think might have been one of the road agents, Vince or Sean himself, that came up with the name Sweet Chin Music. Um, mm. And it was, uh, it was, uh, it was... Um, it was Sean that came up with the idea of delaying it by doing the tuning up the band alongside Jim Ross. So it's a pretty, it's a, it's, I think it's a really, it's a combination and a hodgepodge of lots of people's different sort of, sort of um, ideas that eventually ended up yeah. course, being the most iconic super kick of all time. Oh yeah. I'd say that. <laughs> um... But no, yeah, I've, I've just trying to have a quick look here about if there was any anything about the origins of Sweet Chin Music. Um, let me just have a quick look-see while we're here. Um, Sorry about this, guys. Ah, yes, of course. It was a... Uh, ah, well, it, it was Sean's idea. From a quote here, Michael says, "Well, not so. Not a lot of things were planned for the Heartbreak Kid character. I was able to evolve and find that character over time. 
The switch in music, I can remember saying making the comment about a Roger Clemens fastball in baseball, and they would say, oh, a little switch in music from Roger Clemens to back him off the plate. And I mentioned it to Vince Russo, and from that point, Russo began to assert in a, into a promo idea and felt like it was a great name to differentiate what everyone would call a superkick, so to speak, and into a little bit more of a stylized and focused, you know, finishing move for me. There you go. Yeah. So there you go. Baseball. It was a baseball. It's a baseball reference. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll give I'll give Russo credit for that one then. Thanks, Vince Russo. Just this maybe. One. Just this one. Just Dan, this one. Dan, come now. Just this broken, one. Though. Broken clocks, Dan. Maybe. Broken clocks. <laughs> all right, so I'll, I'll, I will quickly run through some of the history. Of course, we all know the great team up and the great duo that was Michaels and Diesel. Um, mm. We all know the story of of uh, of how Sean first saw Diesel when he was Vinny Vegas in WCW and was like, I need him. I need him right now. Uh, turns out that Kevin Nash, if you've seen in a very recent documentary, said that he was going to retire and go back to being a bouncer, hence how he was let go from his WCW contract, and then ended up, about, if it was about a couple of months later, in WWF as Diesel. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, I can't lie. If you ever see the stories of Kevin Nash talking about, like... Like anything to do with his contracts, like he is just so clued on to everything. It's he hilarious. is the smartest businessman that's ever been in oh, professional absolutely. wrestling. Absolutely, you can't. I cannot help but respect Kevin Nash for that. He is levels beyond like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> but no, truly an iconic duo. I mean, so much so that Vince has been trying to replicate a Vin, uh, a, a Sean and Diesel like. Duos ever since, like, what's the most recent one? I mean, I dare say the most recent one is AJ and Omos. That's pretty much what I, I was actually I thinking of. Um, I was thinking Big Cass, Big Cass and Enzo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. I mean, to be fair, in the in the same vein though, like, I can't really blame Cass for any yeah. of that. True, <laughs> he is seven foot tall after all. Uh... <laughs> Can't teach that. Can't teach that. Uh, uh, I, know, I know this is super off track, but I just want to say, just to remind any American listeners we have, they were over huge in the UK. They were so much. And the reason is we love anything we could chant. <laughs> yep. One thing. For another thing, we love our absolute units here. Yeah, that is yes. true as well, actually. Absolutely, we do. Um,. Hence why Diesel was very over in this in in this country uh, during his yeah. run as WWF champion. Funnily enough, mm, there you go. Uh, Michael's on the other hand. Sure, Michael's on the other hand. <laughs> he would end up uh, having... not, as, not as much after a certain incident. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, we talk about his IT title runs, of course, and we've gone over his amazing match and rivalry with Razor Ramon, which culminated at WrestleMania 10 in their very first. I say first. I'll put air quotes in first ladder match they did test yeah. it in the house show circuit um if you look at cage match i mean sean michaels with that white belt such an iconic look the white of the mid 90s strap i see though hell yep. yeah and i think it's the only i think let me i dare say i mean i know cody brought it back but i feel like sean is the one that really suits the white leather strapped ic title Oh no, he's the one that fits it. Although I will say, like, it looks pretty great on anyone. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
I mean, Wade Barrett, for example, is a guy who oh, made that title I mean, look also, great. Also, side shout to the to the yellow strap I see. Oh, yes, from the uh, Warriors one, yep. Yeah, but like slightly lesser than the white strap. <laughs> Indeed. And then, of course, we go over to his rivalry with Bret Hart for the WWF Championship. Now, this is where some of the controversy starts to sprout its head a little bit too much here. So, of course, it's been a very... It's it's no secret, and we'll go... And it's been said by so many podcasts, so many shoot interviews, that Brett and Sean did not like each other. <laughs> I don't know what would ever give you that impression. <laughs> uh, you can tell that early on, they sort of had a mutual respect for each other in the ring, because when they worked together, they were pretty darn smooth, especially with the time during the Rockers and the Heart Foundation. But I guess as the WWF Championship was in both of their guys' sights. Uh, that all went out of the window quite a bit as well. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a thing where it's like when you take two of the most iconic guys in that during that time and the guys were carrying that company. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine there was going to be some animosity, but I don't think anyone could imagine the amount of animosity that would be that were that was these two. Of course, we can talk. I mean, it's been said a dime a dozen about the things that have happened. Like during his time with the Heart Foundation, of course, that very infamous promo of Sean saying, "You know, you've been having some sunny days," which was a heavy implication that Brett was cheating on his wife with Sunny. Yeah. yeah. Despite the fact that Sean was in a relationship with Sunny, when yeah. Sunny was in a relationship with Chris Candido at this point, but that's just its whole different kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is this is like a side thing out of it, but one of my favorite things is that with like recent interviews he's done, it first, there's this energy that Brett has where he's like, "Yeah, you know, we buried the hatchet. Everything's okay. Every you know, everything's fine." And then just everything else he says is just like, "I still hate this man intensely with every fiber of my being." <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. He every time he talks about it, it's kind of you know, we buried a hatchet. It's all over. Like, yeah, we buried the we buried, like we like we buried the hatchet, and you know, we you know, we we've moved past it at this point. We we've grown as people. It, yeah, but like I still, I still hate the guy with every single fiber of my yeah. being, it's and every day thing. I wake up cursing his name. I yeah. feel like it's yeah. that thing of Bret Hart saying, "I am not gonna, I'm, I will be the one to say when it's over." <laughs> being yeah, pretty I'm much. Yeah. yeah, it's like he every like he says it. The thing that that I think says it. It's weird when they hug because it's like they hug and they're like, "Hey, it's good to see you. Good to see you, buddy." And but their body language says, "Just say." Just say one thing. Just one thing so this feud can Just start again. give me the reason. <laughs> give me the excuse I need to finally murder you in cold blood. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I could go over the Montreal screw job, but... As it I wasn't said, a work, you damn carnies. Yeah, we we said we'll, we'll 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 give it its attention at some point. Yeah, for I sure. Just, I have, it I'm is sorry, one I of just, those big things that I real. It, I, I know it sounds silly that I have to really research, but because it's been talked about so many times on millions and millions of platforms. Yeah. But it's one of those things that you really have to give it the time of day to talk about. And I feel for this one, I, I don't feel like it'd be a bit of a moot point if I have it glanced as like a footnote yeah. that only has yeah. two minutes worth of time. No, 
No, that's fair enough. No, it no, wasn't it, our it, work. It's, it's, some, it's something that you have to mention because it's basically <laughs> fundamental to Shawn Michaels, the character and the person. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. I mean, uh, talk. It's funny that we're talking about this, but we've talked about. I mean, I would go over all of Shawn's things, but we already have in previous yeah. episodes. Let's talk. I mean, the yeah. European Championship. We've talked about that. We've talked about his many kind of title reigns here and there. And of course, I would go over DX, but guess what? We have a whole episode about DX in, in our Indeed. archive, which you should go and no. check out. It's a great episode. Yeah, go, go check it out. It's a good episode. Good episode. We have all these like lovely little linked episodes. You can yeah, go yeah. off and then like, get more. You can get the background context. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Makes my job so much easier. We did, you read, we did the reason for you. Yeah, <laughs> and of course his retirement in 1998 which was due to a back injury that he sustained at Royal Rumble 98 in a casket match against The Undertaker um, watching that match is incredibly painful <laughs> it is incredibly painful the weird thing is from judging from the angle and how fast the bump happens you wouldn't think that Sean messed his back up as, as bad as he did but mm. you can see, but the more you see it, the more you realise that he really caught his back right on the edge of that casket. And he went, it looked like his whole body weight crumpled underneath him when that happened, which sucks. Of course, you know, he would, you know, muster through that pain um, with a lot of prescription medication and some probably uns- unprescribed to him, unfortunately, to then eventually, you know, drop the time almost definitely. <laughs> And of course, you know, dropping that title to Austin at WrestleMania 14 and then um, retiring uh, to get his back sorted. And well, of course, I won't go into the the, the demons that he had between then and his return, because even like it's again, it was pretty obvious when, you know, when he was WWF commissioner, when he would make sporadic appearances here and there, it was pretty clear to see that Sean was um, he was not doing well at all. Um, which is a big shame. It's a big shame. It's it's quite. It's it's not an easy watch when I go back and watch those episodes oh, no, of Sean. It, there, it isn't at all because you can you can clearly tell that he was struggling. But you know, you know, a man who was able to turn his life around, he absolutely did. And if you've read his autobiography or read any of his um, other books, you know that it was it was his kids that really knock, knocked him got him into shape because mm-hmm. um i think there was one story i heard from sean in one of his books that said that his kids were upset that they constantly didn't either didn't see him or saw him passed out on the sofa yeah that is that's fair so he turned he turned his life around got clean of course as everyone knows became a born again christian and through you know a lot of goodwill and a lot of you know, saying to Vince, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely better now. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to come. I'm ready to come back and at least, you know, do the role I was doing when I left. He came back, of course, in 2002 as uh, the surprise member of the NWO. And yeah. he was indeed that was indeed that was a thing that happened. And he wasn't meant to come back as a wrestler. Uh, and after the no, NWO no, died, was... a very quick. Uh, of, well, a very slow and painful. Wasn't he originally going to come back as a commentator? He was originally yeah. going to come back as a commentator. Crazy, isn't it? No, oh, no. I mean, because I, I remember he did like they had him on commentary for like one show back in oh god, like ninety nine, I think. Yes. 
Uh, I think that they were trying to finally do an, do a Brian Pillman with him, where they tried to get Brian to be a commentator. Yeah, <laughs> um, that definitely wasn't working with Brian Pillman. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. But no, um, and, and and as I said, you know, wasn't scheduled to wrestle. But sure enough, when NWO died a slow and painful death due to uh, Kevin Nash's other quad, uh, <laughs> definitely, it definitely died a death. Uh, we then got, of course, you know, the great rivalry that was Triple H and Shawn Michaels, which led to his return Triple match at SummerSlam H. 2002. Yeah. And you could talk, you, and and you could go back and listen to our thoughts on that match in the Triple H Reign of Terror episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> great callbacks. I'm loving the fact that these there are so many callbacks to this. To Wait, this it's episode. like when you've done 48 episodes. Yeah, I mean, like you just. <laughs> It makes our job easier. We can talk about other things. <laughs> All right, chaps. So this leads us into our little roundtable session of our favourite moments and matches. And I'm going to start with favourite matches. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to say right now, Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, the Iron Man match from WrestleMania 12. One of my favourite matches. One of my favourite WrestleMania matches as well. Um, especially from the year previous when we had Lawrence Taylor versus uh, Bam Bam Bigelow in the main event. It's a noticeable step up for sure. <laughs> um, not only just an iconic entrance from Michaels when he, you know, when he repelled yeah. down from the top of the arena, but a great, uh, great storytelling uh, from the pair of them, how they were not able to not only drag it out for an hour, but make it so high impact and so dramatic and technical for that entire 60 minutes. Great ending to it as well when they went over, went into overtime and uh, sudden death overtime. So the person who scored the first fall would win. Um, a little bit of a, a tinged kind of like damp note on it was Sean um, telling Brett to get the fuck out of my ring after he won. Um, I mean, I mean, motions are running high. He's just won the WWF title in the main event of WrestleMania. I can understand that. But again, this might have been Sean being a little bit Sean in this moment. But no, yeah. take that. I won't take that away from him. It's a truly iconic moment with the boyhood dream uh, voice clip that has been used so many times since. Oh yeah, that that used to be in the uh, the uh, the WWE pre-roll. Yes, it did. It did indeed. Uh, no, great match. Great match. Chaps, fire away. What are some of your favourite Shawn Michaels matches? Uh, you know what? I'm going to... like All of mine are obvious, but I, I just I think I just have to point it out. I have to point it out. Um, Skelton Benjamin versus Shawn Michaels in that yeah. Raw. Yes. <laughs> For a match that... that is so like on a Raw that seems so innocent, it's elevated for just one pure moment. The greatest, yeah, it's called, Show, it's called Shelton Benjamin has his head kicked off. Shelton, that's the greatest sweet chin music in history, and it wasn't even in like a pay per view or anything. That's what amazes me about it. It's D, it's D's like sweet chin music because they just showed it forever, yeah. I wonder, because I would love to know the the booking meeting where they were with uh, with the road agent and the two of them in a room calling the match of what they were going to do. And when I wonder if it was Sean or Shelton that threw out the idea. Was, oh yeah, I tell you what. I'll See, I reckon it my... was probably Shelton. Oh, it yeah, had to I be. I reckon it's Shelton. I reckon. Like I, I bet you know what? For some reason, I think of it as like a dare. 
<laughs> yes. like 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 Shelton Benjamin is calling this and like and Shawn Michaels like we're not doing that and Shelton's like no we can no I could totally jump I could springboard that far no you can't you can't springboard that far it's like trust me trust me and like I'm like all right <laughs> because I kind of imagine like because in that it, at that moment it's like because it's the, like it's the finisher it's like the finisher of that match yeah it's like um because Shawn Michaels actually collapses straight afterwards. Yeah. And then like just gets like the the great like you know the great cover on it and it's just like I just imagined him talking like holy shit you actually did it. Like, I told you. Told you. <laughs> <laughs> and um as before before we I move on I just have to say <clears throat> that's why you get your camera angles right. <laughs> Guys. God damn it! Are you talking about AEW by any chance there, is? I, I just... I, oh, no, wait. I know exactly who he's at him. Yeah, exactly. Mm. <sighs> uh, first name, Kevin. Second name, rhymes with Un. Ah, I get it now. <laughs> Kevin Munn. Got it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dad, what have you got for me, sir? Yeah, so... Um, other than obviously the big two, which we're going to mention, oh, obviously, uh, obviously. and can't really avoid mentioning. Uh, gotta give a shout out to uh, Michaels versus Cena from WrestleMania 23. Oh, oh yeah, yes. that was a good. Uh, that was a great match. Love that match. That's a great match. Um, and not just because it's from one of the WrestleManias I actually had on DVD when I was younger. <laughs> um, no, genuinely a, an amazing match. Um, and really gets the best out of Cena. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, one that maybe goes under the radar a little bit, um, Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho from New Mercy, No Mercy 2008. I'm glad you brought yeah, that up because yeah. I was going to talk about both, well, two of the best matches those those two had which was the one at mainly 19 match, that, and that match one. goes crazy that match yeah. not, not least for just the the ladder walls of jericho spot oh and of course the ladder breaking jericho's tooth yeah <laughs> but no that that match actually goes that match goes really hard that ma- uh, that storyline in general i think is one of michael's best storylines Oh, absolutely. The, mm. the Jericho Michael storyline was fantastic. And of course, I've told the story. I, I believe I've already told the story, of course, of when Jericho clocked uh, Michael's wife in the face. Um, yeah. <laughs> but deliberately, and, and, and then backstage, well, not deliberately, but accidentally, he actually went and fall and hit her in the face. To which uh, she said in the back, oh, God, you can hit hard on that, can't you, Jericho? <laughs> Because what else do you expect from Shawn Michaels' wife? <laughs> no, these matches are great. Both for, 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 both are so wholly different. One of them being uh, an absolute technical masterpiece that was WrestleMania 19. And that No Mercy one being a high-stakes, highly dramatic, all-out brawl of a ladder match as well. Um, shows how, again, it's that word, versatility. <laughs> and how... Well, those two really worked together. <laughs> Out, no, outstanding those ones were. I also want to bring up, I'd say the third best match he had at WrestleMania, and that's the one against Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 21. 
also uh, definitely, uh, yes. definitely I, up there. I still think he's in. I still think he's in that ankle lock. <laughs> yes. My, it's ridiculous how much in my brain he's just like like it's like Excalibur. He who can like break him out of that ankle lock <laughs> shall be the next king of England. He's in it for so long. Somewhere in a, somewhere in a forest in Nottingham, Kurt Angle was still got the ankle lock on. So yeah, like... just 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 fully locked in. <laughs> I mean, as well, I can't remember exactly when it was. I want to say it was two thousand and five. Hmm. I think it was Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels had an Iron Man match on Raw. I believe so. Yeah, yes. that that went that went that went pretty hard. I mean, as well, it, it's it's not really one of my favorite matches with him, but I remember uh, when it was Survivor Series. Ah, yes, 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 uh, yes. And bless Mike Knox's heart, but uh, he got sent to the cleaners. Oh <laughs> uh, no, I find it funny. <laughs> Still, now I, I find, find it, it funny. I do find it funny as well. All right, then. The time has come, gents, to talk about the two greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. And indeed, Shawn Michael, two of Shawn Michaels' greatest matches of all time. It's, under, it's HBK versus Undertaker at WrestleMania's 25 and 26. Now, I don't know about you two. There's a part of me that prefers 25 just a little bit more over 26. And I think um. a lot of that has to do with Shawn Michaels' entrance ascending, descending from the heavens. In the, the whole the white thing, taping the thing, the thing I have is that in my head, I'm like, WrestleMania 25 sits in my head more vividly, but I think I enjoyed, I think 26 had a stronger reaction for me because of the yes, stakes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think for me, that's why I'm saying just a little bit more 25, I think bias there, but that's, but 26, I still, it's still so freaking good. God, it's so it's I've 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 knocked this question in my head back and forth forever, and and I have to take the cop out answer, but it's the my my honest answer that I actually consider twenty five and twenty six to just be one big match, <laughs> just separated separated by a year. Like, to be quite honestly, I don't like, I don't blame you on that one. That's actually quite a good way to look at it. I yeah, because it's like um, it's the, it's that classic thing of um, this it's 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 the Godfather part. It's the Godfather versus Godfather part two question. <laughs> you know yeah. It's that kind of um, it's like twenty five is the more leaner. It's the more leaner, straightforward match. Twenty six is the is definitely the more blockbustery of the it's matches. Like, yeah. It's like in my head, it's like WrestleMania twenty five is like just a amazing wrestling yeah. match that also has amazing presentation and amazing visuals. Yeah. Yes, but like WrestleMania twenty six is like the high drama. <laughs> yeah, it's like. It's like um choosing for me. It's like it's like choosing between do I love a great a great wrestling match or a great WrestleMania match, which is better? Yeah. And I don't I don't know I don't yeah. have an answer, so I just like they're because they're both kind of 
and you can't like watch one without the other either. Yes. Like, like you can't like even though like you could arguably just watch twenty five and that's it. No, you got to watch twenty six afterwards, and then it's like you want to watch twenty six, but you got to watch the context of twenty five. You know, it's it's yeah. just one big match for me. Yeah, to be quite honest with you. Again, I feel like with this this one. It's such a lightning in the bottle. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity that they had. And I feel yeah. they tried to replicate with Cena versus Rock to varying degrees of success, of course. But and I what, think I they think, can't. I think the thing is, though, is that the, the thing with Cena versus Rock is that Cena versus Rock was only ever going to be showcase. Yes. Yeah. It was being done to say you had John Cena icon of the time versus rock icon of the time whereas hbk versus undertaker was like a personal vendetta yeah yeah i Absolutely. you know it's like um no like cena versus rock is pure spectacle which is which oh, yeah. say what you will about like which i don't which is something i can't really give for um for either um, Undertaker HBK matches. Mm. It's like like don't get me wrong, I love the once in a lifetime match. I think it's a fantastic match. Yeah. But it lives and dies on both wrestlers just pure presence and charisma. Technically it's it's an okay match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is that is elevated to God tier just from it's <laughs> on it, it's it's Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. <laughs> Whereas Undertaker versus HBK is, no, some of the best to ever do it, doing it, and then they do it again. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> so it's, it's just... It's like, again, I think it's worth saying that, like, HBK and The Undertaker goes, goes pretty deep. Yeah. Mm. It at least goes back to the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1990. So yeah, there was yeah. a lot riding on. There was a lot of history between these two, in in, in the lead up to all of this. Um, and God, did it pay off so well! The payoff for yeah. both these matches was incredible. Yes. Um, How, oh, oh, however, one one thing in uh, WrestleMania twenty six's favor, it it has the um it has the running up that hill promo. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I guess the one thing, I guess the only heel in this whole situation would have been Sim Snooker, who was posing as the cameraman, who forgot to catch Taker at 25. It's not even that he doesn't catch him, it's that he basically throws the camera into Taker's head. Yes! Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. All right. Before I get on to favourite moments, of course, we have to talk about the iconic match. Uh, the iconic match of WrestleMania 24, I guess indeed of of the 2000s, which of course was Flair versus HBK career, uh, is uh, the career uh, match. Yep. Because uh, I, I mean, this is a segue into moments because this match has so many incredible mo yeah. moments. We talk about that match. Uh, we've talked about that match a lot. Yeah. But I don't think we've talked about um, how only. Only Shawn Michaels could pull it off. It's a I seriously think that only he could have pulled it off. Yeah, I think if you were if Flair was going to go up against any anyone else, I don't. It's not that it would have been um, as good as it was, but I don't think I don't think it would have been 
as I think both of them, it wouldn't have been as smooth as it was. Because like I've gone back and watched that match, and I'm like, Flair at the age he is at that time, still being able to do what he can, so damn smooth, and having a great dance partner in Shawn Michaels yeah. for that as and, well. Oh, yeah. And it's like, and it's like who, like to be blunt, who the fuck else could call the match against Ric Flair? <laughs> Exactly. Who gets that job? <laughs> exactly, man. Like, I mean, just ah, oh, everything about that match was like, like I, like I know it's like a thing, like in like one of the great, one of the great moments of of the Undertaker's. Like this, this makes sense in context. Is the great moment of the Undertaker trying to get um, Triple H to fight him again? Is like, you know what? It's fine. I'll, I, you know, it's fine. It's just a shame I can't get Shawn Michaels to, to do it again. It's just like, it's just like, because that's it. You just can't. I, don't remember, just can't. I was going to say, because that reminds me of the build-up to Flair Michaels. Remember the old yellow comment he made? And then oh, Flair flipped out and slapped him in the back. I got your old yellow right here. <laughs> oh, man, I love that. I've watched that promo so many times. I, yeah, so I, it's, the second, it's the second best pro- promo line referencing old yellow. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, no. Um, absolutely iconic match for a whole multitude no, of it, reasons. No, it is. Yeah. Uh, even if every time I watch it, I uh, wince viscerally when Shawn Michaels goes for the moonsault to the outside. Yes, yeah. he, he, ate, he ate shit and then some. It's not. It, it's it's the fact that everything but the sidings broke. <laughs> It's just standing up completely straight. <laughs> I just, I want to know, was it, I, I, no, it was definitely Flair's idea, wasn't it? Go, you know what, screw this, I want to do a cross body, and this time I'm actually going to connect a cross body. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, was, yeah. that, that, that was almost definitely Flair's idea. And Sean yeah. was like, yeah, you don't even need to, you don't even need to ask me twice, mister, I will. <laughs> So it's such a great moment. But no, overall, as I said, I left it last because it's a nice segue into moments. Because for me, that match is so full of great moments. Oh, mm. yeah. Let us talk about some of our favourite HBK moments. And I'm going to, all right, I'm literally going to just start with I Just Kick Stan. Oh, I mean, that's definitely way up there. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> I, I Dude, the, just... uh, the future Ty Dillinger. Uh, I don't know why. AKA it's so funny. Sean Spears. I don't know why it's so funny, and of course it's, it's... it starts with them saying that they're not, that people saying they're not controversial. Well, enough. I think I think I think that's the thing that makes it for me. It's like people people are saying when people are saying we're not controversial anymore. And he just decides that kicking someone in the face is the answer to that. <laughs> kicking multiple people in the face, my <laughs> yeah. That, the, the man who the man who takes the shot with the papers. Oh, I love it so much. It's, it's just the one thing of, of great, like... It's just one of the great of, images. Oh, it is. It's just like, I just kicked Stan. And then Triple H is just like, and it's like, I don't know if it's controversial, but it sure is funny. <laughs> There's one thing I have to say about Sean. He has great c- comedy chops. Oh, he really Oh, does. yeah. Because it brings me to the next one I want to talk about. is when he cosplayed as Hulk Hogan during doing a Larry King segment for their rivalry. Because <laughs> he had the mannerisms down too freaking well. <laughs> That's a man who spent enough time around Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it's just yeah. him going, buffer, buffer, buffer. I mean, in all fairness, though, that is just Hulk Hogan, though. 
Because like you do a Hulk Hogan impression and you throw like brother at the end of every sentence. You like you listen to Hulk Hogan like, oh, that's actually kind of real. I swear to God, he coated himself in treacle before he went out to do that. Though. Probably did. <laughs> or tire oil, or engine oil, or something. Something. Because God, God, he put too much fake tan on. I mean, even for Hogan, Got he put too much fake tan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gents, I will go on forever. But what are some of your favourite moments, Shorts? I mean, you stole mine. I watched that. I just kickstand all do you, the time. Do you, do, do you want me to go for mine while you think of some others? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so my first one, I mean, again, we can throw it onto the matches. Um, Shawn Michaels versus Hogan from, is it SummerSlam 2002? Oh, 2005. yeah. Oh. Where, Shawn, yeah. where Shawn's just like flying around the ring for everything. He's just bumping like hell. Oh, I love the story. I love the story behind that as well. Uh, Because he pisses him off, isn't it? Yeah, because Sean wanted it face versus face. Hogan was having none of that. And so Sean had to turn heel. But it did give us another great moment, which I'll get into in in a minute. Uh, But yeah, so the the way Sean, you know, kind of uh, repaid Hogan for making him turn heel... Was to bump like an absolute madman. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like the thing about those 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 like the ridiculous bumps is that, like Shawn Michaels is on record as saying that he does not need to sell back like back injuries. Yeah. He, it literally hurts every single time. So I yeah. often imagine how much he must have pissed him off that he's like, not only am I going to take bumps, I'm going to take the most ridiculous multiple bumps <laughs> just to spite you. It's the one where he, gets, like, where he gets hit with a big boot and then stands back up and flips over again. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> wow, man. You, I, I won't piss that man off. Uh, I say um, this leads us into another moment. God, we have to talk about that time he pissed off Montreal again. Oh, see, that's what that was gonna be that my one. Yes. That's my next one. When he's when he's there, and he's in Montreal. I believe this was during the time he was commissioner for Raw. Yes, I it believe might have he been, was. Yeah, and, and was like, um, and, he's, back and, he's, here, and he's and he's just there, and he's like, uh, you know, it, it's great to be hit back here in Montreal. Everyone's booing him like hell. Bret Hart's music hits, and he just goes, "Fooled you." I got your hopes up just a little bit. Goes. Absolutely insane at him. They are out for his blood after that. Just, I, like, I don't, nuclear heat doesn't even describe it. I don't know how, if it is like the greatest example of it. (laughs) Absolutely. Wow. Um, I, 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 I want to bring it up. But I feel like Little People's Cult is such a weird thing of that type of DX when you could tell that the humor oh, that, was that, just that was, that, that was like, Yeah, that was that was DX when DX were doing jokes that were already 10 years out of date 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. But maybe it's just maybe it's just Sean's reaction when he's getting pelted with garbage and hit with sticks that maybe make me laugh a little bit. That he's going a bit too overboard, like he did with Hogan. <laughs> In that, because there's, there's, there's that, there's, there's a saga of with DX that ended 
with them in a hell in a cell via just repeatedly making cock jokes to Vince McMahon. Like, remember, remember that? That ended with a hell in a cell. That is escalation to a level I don't think is possible anymore. Oh, I've just remembered one. The gra- a little great throwback. The DX State of the Union address. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The uncensored one in particular. <laughs> it's just a shame that so much other stuff from DX that time, I just look at it and I'm like, eh, nope. Don't yep. want to watch that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to um, Shawn Michaels and God versus Vince and Shane. <laughs> oh, God. Is it because of Vince dancing to somebody called my mama as God's no, making it's... his way down the rig? Uh, no, it's just the fact that they booked Shawn Michaels in a tag match with God. And lost. And lost. <laughs> Which the, is, uh... I tell you, the God, the bloody balls on Vince. <laughs> that is... The man knows no fear. Yeah, that man... I don't, I don't even know. Oh, I remember, you know what I remember, like, on the WWE website... Like back in the day, WWE, where it had like they, you know, they did the bios for all the wrestlers, and it start when you go on and when you went on Vince on Vince McMahon's ones, it started with Vincent McMahon beat God. That's the first yeah. sentence. I remember that. <laughs> wow. Vince McMahon booked himself to beat God. Oh, this reminds me. I love wrestling. (laughs) There's a great moment in their hardcore match at WrestleMania 22, Shawn Michaels versus Vince McMahon, where Michael, I say it's a combination of Michaels and JR, where he takes his poster, or Vince's poster on the cover of Muscle and Fitness, twats him over the head with it, starts trash talking, slaps him on the head and then does the pose that Vince did (laughs) on the the cover. But it's when JR JR gets his mic back and he's about to, and Sean's just about to hit him and he goes, yeah, what you can do with it is you can hit him over the head with it, then shove it up his ass! (laughs) I love it so much! Um... I'm trying to remember exactly when it happened. I want to say... I think it was WrestleMania 32. Mm. I think it was it was Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, and Stone Cold. Ah, yes, with the new... Uh, it was the League of Nations and the New Day, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, just, I, I mean, the only thing I remember is um, Shawn Michaels... Kicking Alberto Del Rio in the face. I get the thumbs up from me. Yeah, that that definitely does. Also, yeah. Austin dancing with Xavier Woods and then giving him a stunner, but you know. Also, yes. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Oh, that was amazing. What a great moment. I mean, I could, I, I could talk forever about so many moments with Sean. Like, I really could. Because, again, it's that, it's, that, it's that thing you said, Reardon. The guy's just incredibly versatile. But also, he was an incredibly charismatic and could cut a brilliant promo like he was outstanding in that yeah truly truly outstanding in that sort of thing 
What can I say? What can I say? Nah, there's, there's really not a whole lot else to say. <laughs> and I tell you what, in that case, I think that is a good way to wrap it up. But I'm going to leave you guys with... Well, I should not leave you guys. I'm going to give you guys one more question. Does HBK deserve his plaudits as one of the all-time greats? I mean, we can talk about all of the good things that has happened. He's had great matches, great promos and stuff. But we all know, and it's no secret, that Sean wasn't the greatest of people during his uh, his run in the 90s. But, By his own admission. <laughs> By his own admission. But yeah. it takes a hell of a talent to have a great first run, come back and have a tremendous second run that is miles better than his first run. Yeah, I think it's that second run that really does it. Yeah. Really, really does it. it like, by his own admission, it, it's like, if... Like, it's kind of funny seeing him, because, like, Shawn Michaels could have easily been a Triple H-type figure mm. in that in that his accomplishments would always have an asterisk of back of backstage politicking of general douchebaggery <laughs> mixed with genuine talent but once he came back was clean and actually actually did what he was meant to do and I do mean that born to do it there's no doubt in my mind that he is up there as as one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. His, 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 like, the fact that I can, like, for people who don't know who he, who, who he is and what he's done, I can literally very handedly just go, oh, yeah, just check out his WrestleMania matches, which ones? Any of them. Yeah. Literally any of them. <laughs> and you will find something to love, if not, what some of the greatest matches that WWE has ever produced, and I and there's and there's no one else who can say that. The Undertaker has done bad WrestleMania matches, and he's the Undertaker. Yeah, there's no like, there's just no one else that I can really think of like that. So, absolutely, the fact that I, the fact that like as a dumb kid who didn't know jack about wrestling, the technique of it, like. I just thought, like, you know, I just thought, you know, wrestlers are cool because he does this and this or, you know, whatever. But actually, like, his talent was obvious to yeah. a child. <laughs> Says a lot about him. And the, I mean, for God's sake, the fact that we named our bloody show after him. <laughs> <laughs> I think it says it all, doesn't it? I think that's the you highest know, honor. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> like, when we, when we sat down, it was like, we got to name, name it. We named it after him because, like, for one thing, it's a great pun. But for another thing, because, God damn it, he deserves it. Yeah. That's no. all I can say, really. Absolutely. And if you think, I for me, it's a case of, if you think of wrestlers in terms of eras, I would, you would put, I would say you would put, you know, you know, Lou Fairs in the 50s uh, and 50s and 60s. You put oh sorry, you put Buddy Rogers in the sixties, you put San Martino in the seventies, you have Hogan in the eighties, um, you would put I would say you would put Austin in the nineties. I would I would make a claim to say that you would put Shawn Michaels in the noughties. 
Mm. Uh, I definitely think that is possible. That's possible. Because um, you know, you could I... say the '90s, but I, as we've said, like as I, I nah, think his second no. run was so much better. No, his second run was so much better, and that was yeah, owned I mean, by Austin. It, 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 it's like I've said. It's like I've said to other people I know, which is that kind of for me, Shawn Michaels is career or at least at least the early stage of it always kind of carries that asterisk mm. yes but but the thing is though is that i i look at it and i go yes in acknowledgement of that and taking that in as a thing it does damage part of his legacy in terms of you know just not being able to feel the same about it absolutely yeah. But like the thing is though, as I look at it again though, and I look at maybe even just that second run, and then I think actually really it cut at least you know, in wrestling terms, I feel like it outweighs it. I not, no, to, I not agree. to justify or excuse it. Mm. I, I definitely agree with that one. For sure. Yeah. Alrighty, gents. That just about does it for this episode, all about our namesake. Thoughts and feelings after that. You know what? I, I actually feel really good about this episode. <laughs> I really do. It's something like, it, I mean, it's something that we had to talk about. Mm. But I do I do feel really good about this episode, especially as we are slowly encroaching upon our 50th. That It's good that yeah. we talk about, talk about, honestly, like, honestly, a big part of the reason why we're here and doing this podcast in the first place is him. Oh, absolutely. Like, again, like I said, for, for me as a young wrestling fan, he was one of those characters I was immediately drawn to. Yeah, yeah. without without question. Um, I managed, you know, getting in just around the time that Sean had left and he was doing those sporadic appearances. But as a, as a kind of like a, a fan of a couple of years, for him to come back in 2002... Even then, you just knew, even if you didn't know much about him, God, this guy's a big deal. And then, of course, that match in SummerSlam really solidified it and going, all right, this guy's freaking amazing. Um, But yeah, incredible, incredible talent. All righty. And actually, quite good timing for our one-year anniversary because we're cropping up to it. And our next episode, oh, this this is a biggie. This is a... Biggie, and I'm very, I'm very nervous about this one, chaps, because this it's... is not to pile on more pressure, but this is our most requested episode. Our most, yeah, and that that's what makes me even nervous about this one. So it is a two-parter, and we are going to be talking about the history of World Championship Wrestling. Oh, this God, is gonna be a day. God have mercy on us all. I have to I have to reread some books. Say, oh, I've got to try Basically, and reread and this research. Is just a whole bunch of stuff to unpack. There is <laughs> get ready for a long for a long two episodes, folks. Absolutely. I'm ready say for that a now. long two episodes punctuated by me at the end saying WCW should have won. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> oh, oh. that would be the conclusion, be. I think, for all of us. No. It won't be, but <laughs> So the way this is going to happen, uh, the two parts, we're going to segment part one is going to be from the 1980s during the territory scene, starting around Black Monday up until 1995. And then part two will, of course, be from 96 all the way to 2001. But yeah, part one 
It's gonna be it's gonna be a doozy because it's it's a very interesting time, not only for the territory scene around that time, but of course, it's I it's a really I've always found it a very intriguing story about Ted Turner himself. Yeah, it is the story of literally the one okay billionaire. <laughs> and yeah, like it is a it is a ride trying yeah. to read into Ted Turner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and his seemingly well, and Vince's hatred, I would say, for Ted Turner. Well, yeah. actually, no, both of them kind of don't like each other at all. But we will get I into mean, that. I can yeah. see that and completely understand why. There's, there is, I don't even need. Yeah, we're gonna get into it. It's gonna be war, oh boy. It's gonna it's be, gonna be a juicy one. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Ridden and Dan, and you've been listening to the sweet. Chinwag podcast. We'll see you as ever on the next one. We're just some sexy boys. Sexy boys. Bye, everyone. We can be your boy toys <laughs> if you ask nicely. Was that Paul Bearer there, Dad? Going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>